thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Whenever I get gloomy about the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinions starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. It seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hatred or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling that you'll find that love actually is all around. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You might not be able to hear it, but there's a standing ovation in the room. If you didn't crack onto it, that is the opening monologue from Love Actually. And I figured, you know, Leon spoke and used a quote from Shakespeare. I would show my level of classiness by bringing a quote from Hugh Grant. Um, And, you know, it is officially allowed to be Christmas. Um, You know, we've put our Christmas decorations up. Now that it is December, it is legal to put your Christmas decorations up if you did them in November, then it was illegal at that time. And Christmas mode has fully been activated in my life. We even watched a Christmas film last night. But you know, this Christmas is going to be different to any other Christmas any of us have experienced. You know, maybe you're feeling quite sad about Christmas. Maybe you're feeling quite pessimistic and it can feel difficult and hard to have a positive outlook at the moment with the way that things are. And yes, we've come out of lockdown, but if you live locally um, to Life Central, uh, our locations are all in tier three, which isn't that different to lockdown and it can feel quite pessimistic and maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking that feeling like Christmas has been cancelled, that you're grieving the loss of certain things that you normally look forward to. Myself, I'm more of an optimistic person. In fact, one of my strengths in my strength finder profile, if you're familiar with that, is positivity. And so one of the phrases I use a lot is, it'll be all right. It'll work out in the end. Because in my opinion, It always does work out in the end and my wife will be rolling her eyes at home watching this because I'm quite a naturally positive person. But you know, um, there's this thing called the Stocktail Paradox and Leon referred to it in his briefing a couple of uh, weeks ago. And um, Stockdale was a prisoner of war in Vietnam um, and he was there for seven years. And he said the optimists and the pessimists didn't didn't survive very well. The pessimists just gave up hope immediately and was like, what's the point? And gave up and they died quite quickly. The the optimists, they died of a broken heart because the optimists were saying, hey, we'll be out by Christmas and then Christmas will come and go and then they'd be like, we'll be out by Easter and Easter would come and go and they wouldn't be out. And then, hey, we'll be out by the summer and then summer would come and go. And there was this perpetual sense of disappointment for the optimists. He said, but what he did is he became a realist and he held on to the hope that one day he would be freed but embraced the reality of his current circumstances. He didn't, you know, be blind to, to the hope that was, the, like he wasn't blind to the reality of the situation and he wasn't blind to any sense of hope. He held the two in tension and that's what I want us to do today. You see, positivity isn't enough. I'm not just going to be saying, hey, let's all look on the bright side of life and sing along to that song. That's not what I want to say today. Positivity isn't enough. 
here's the bottom line of what I want of, of what I want us to say. Um, and it is this: optimism and pessimism can leave us blind, but hope is the balance we need to find. I think we need to find a balance today of not being pessimistic or being too optimistic, but finding a balance of hope. And so today, to help us do that, we're going to look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist actually features in the Christmas story. He's actually Jesus' cousin, for those of you who didn't know that. But we're not going to start with the birth of John the Baptist. We're going to reference that a little bit later. But we're going to start with the end of John the Baptist's life. John the Baptist is eventually beheaded. Happy Christmas, everyone. Um, But before he's beheaded, he's in prison. And he has this moment where he's beginning to lose hope. He's maybe swinging towards being pessimistic. And he has this moment and we hear what he says to his disciples, the people that were following him. And it appears in Matthew 11. And it says this, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, Jesus, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? You see, John the Baptist is in this prison and he starts to question, he starts to have doubts. Is Jesus really the Messiah? Are are you really the one that we hoped for or should we put our hope in someone else? And I don't know about you, but in the last nine months, I've asked that question a few times. I've said to God, God, are are you really in control of all of this? God, have I got this right? Are you the one that I should put my hope in? Maybe you're in that place right now and maybe you're tuning into this today was almost like the last thing of I'll give it one last shot and you're asking should I hope in you Jesus or should I put my hope in someone else maybe maybe you've been reaching for things for relief rather than turning to Jesus for restoration and you know maybe maybe today you feel hard pressed maybe you feel perplexed or persecuted or struck down and you might think that was a weird choice of words Andy well in 2 Corinthians, it uses those, uh, those words and it says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And I want to make it really clear. You are more resilient than you think you are. You can face the stuff that you are facing. You know, a few months ago, you know, September, October, loads of us were saying, I just cannot go through another lockdown. But here we are, we're three days out of the last lockdown and you have made it through and you are more resilient than you think you are. You see, you may be pressed on every side, uh, but you are not crushed. You may feel persecuted, but you are not abandoned. You might feel struck down right now, but you will never be destroyed because there is hope in Jesus and Jesus is with you and he is walking with you step by step, holding your hand, leading you through it, giving you the resilience that you need to face the circumstance that you're in today. And the the verse goes on to say even more in Corinthians, it says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles and lockdowns and tear systems are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, 
And this is what we're going to do today, friends. We are going to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's that Stockdale paradox. We're not just going to look on the bright side of life and we're not going to sit in misery. We're going to embrace the reality of the situation. Know that the current circumstances are tough, but know that they are temporary and that there is eternity to look forward to. You see, I want us today to look and fix our eyes on Jesus, who is our hope, so that we can help others this Christmas to see that hope is here. And like I said earlier, this is deeper than just looking on the bright side. The depth here is the hope that we have, seeing hope in the middle of what feels like hopelessness. And John the Baptist, his role was to point the way to Jesus. In fact, in Mark 1, it tells us that really, really clearly. Uh, And it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. And now, this week, I was in some theology lectures uh, for my sins. And I learned this week that the book of Mark is primarily written to a Roman Christian audience. And Christians who were in Rome at that time when Mark writes his gospel were under severe persecution. They were being burnt alive by Emperor Nero for being followers of the way and followers of Jesus. And I wonder whether some of them were thinking, I've, I've started to follow Jesus. I've given my life to this. And all of a sudden, I'm on the run. Is this really good news? And Mark opens it up, the beginning of good news about Jesus the Messiah. He wants to encourage those who feel hard-pressed and crushed on every side that this is good news. And he goes on to say, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah is a little bit like Michael Bublé at Christmas. A lot of Isaiah comes out at Christmas because it's full of prophecies about the birth of Jesus. And, And he says, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And that's exactly what John the Baptist does. And we see this in the book of John. In John 1 verse 29, it says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, that's the guy who's going to give us hope. That's the Messiah. He's pointing the way to Jesus and pointing the way to hope. And you know that phrase, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, there is tons in that to unpack that I don't have time to do. But you know, if you're watching this live tomorrow night, I'm going to be going live on Facebook in the online community with Tom Woodhouse, our digital pastor. And I want to unpack that a little bit more. So tune in tomorrow at 8 p.m. for that. You see, John the Baptist, he was on the planet to point the way to Jesus. That was his whole purpose. And if you're a Jesus follower... Your purpose on this planet is to point the way to Jesus. It's to point the way to hope. That's our job this Christmas, guys, to point the way to hope. So what is this hope that we're pointing to? What's the hope that we have in Jesus? You see, it's not just, oh, I hope one day it will happen. And, you know, like today, I hope my football team beats another football team that are local to us. That's hope that it's not what's certain, but we hope in something that is certain and it's a different kind of hope. 
And you see, when John the Baptist was about the people there, they were hoping and waiting for a Messiah. That's what John the Baptist was doing. He was pointing the way, saying, this is the one that we have waited for. But we're not now waiting for a Messiah because Jesus has come, he's died, he's risen again and he's ascended up to heaven. But the promise is that Jesus is coming back and he promises that he'll bring a new heaven and a new earth. And actually when, we, when we're with him, when he returns, there'll be no more pain, no more sadness, no more tears. It will be an incredible encounter with our Saviour. You see, it's almost like we live in this overlapped age where the, the promise has been given and Jesus has sealed it on the cross, but we haven't yet fully taken hold of it. You see, we, we have a hope that is certain because Jesus has already won the victory. Let me explain it a little bit simpler. Um, the D-Day landings in the Second World War in Normandy, when, they, when the Allied troops landed on the beaches of Normandy, that's called D-Day. That's, that's known as the day that the war was won. But actually, the war went on for quite a little bit longer than that. It wasn't that that day the war finished, but the war was won. And, you know, it said that after that point, it was inevitable that the Allied troops would win the war. But it wasn't until VE Day that victory was declared. And, and you know, for 18 months or so, people lived in that intermediate state that the war was nearly over and the war was won, but it hadn't been declared yet. It's almost like... We've got a promise of a vaccine and it's 95% certain, but we haven't quite distributed it yet. It's like we live in that overlap stage where we've got something to hold on to. And that's the hope that we have, is that one day we will be reunited with Jesus, that we will, we will have a new body, that we will, there will be no more pain, no more sadness, no more suffering. And let me be super clear, being a Christian isn't about a ticket to heaven. You know, if you're in this for a ticket to heaven, you, you need to reassess your relationship with Jesus because our relationship with Jesus allows us to bring heaven to earth. We're in this overlap where we can bring little slices of heaven to earth and that's about pointing the way to Jesus. You see, it's bigger than a ticket to heaven. It's bigger than looking on the bright side. It's about a living hope in which we are in the place where we were created to be and that's in relationship with our heavenly father. You see, optimism and pessimism can leave us blind, but hope is the balance that we need to find. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so I want to offer some practical ways that you can point the way to hope this Christmas, but not just this Christmas, beyond that as well. And they all begin with T. And the first is tell. I want you to tell stories of hope. You see, when John the Baptist was in prison, um, you know, and he says, Jesus, are you the one that we hoped for? This is how Jesus replies in Matthew 11. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You see, Jesus doesn't just reply and go, yeah, yeah, I am. Like that would be quite a bland response and we probably wouldn't be reading about it 2,000 years later. But what Jesus does is he sows seeds of hope by telling stories. He shares stories of what, he, what people are seeing so that John the Baptist can have hope knowing that something is happening. And I think stories are the lifeblood of our soul. 
honestly, I cannot say this enough. I really think telling stories of hope is so, so important. You know, back in the good old days of February, which was pre-lockdown and pre-COVID, a hub, which was our Friday night youth club, when I was leader in charge, and a number of people played that role on different nights, but the nights when I was leader in charge, I used to find it quite stressful. And, you know, it's a hard job because you, we would have 50 to 100 teenagers from our community coming into our youth floor and just, like, having a nice time. But you put 50 to 100 teenagers in a room together, some stuff's going to happen. And my job as, as leader in charge is I would work with, with somebody and we would go around the whole youth floor the whole night and we would just deal with any issues that came up. And so we would be like, right, come and, let, come and talk to me. Let's talk about why you threw that can across the room. Or, you know, maybe we would be dealing with parents who were kicking off in the car park with each other. Maybe we were dealing with fights that happened. Maybe some weeks it was nice and quiet and an easy night. But a lot of the time we were dealing with difficult issues. And the thing that would keep me calm and keep me going throughout the whole night is knowing in the debrief, I'm going to hear some stories you know, knowing that I'm dealing with this rubbish situation that's quite hard to deal with. But I know somewhere on our youth floor, one of our amazing youth team is having a conversation with a young person about Jesus. I know that in the prayer room, hopefully somebody is being prayed for. And so after a difficult and stressful night, I would sit down in the debrief and I'd look at the team and I'd be like, come on, tell me, tell me the good stories. Tell me what happened. So I know that my job of doing what I was doing was worthwhile because there were stories of hope emerging. And maybe you need to hear some stories of hope today. Maybe your circumstance is really difficult and you need people to tell you that there is hope. Well, I asked some friends from the church to just share their stories of hope from the last nine to 12 months of what God has been doing in difficult and in exciting circumstances. These are the stories of hope. Have a look. In the last nine months, me and my husband have started up a new business and... We're having a baby. In the last 12 months, I have been introduced to Life Central Church. I have done Alpha and decided to follow Jesus. And now I have joined a lovely connect group. In the last nine months, in what has been one of the hardest times that most people have ever faced, uh, I've managed to find my faith and find God. And it's led me to be able to build my career uh, that I did think at one point was going to completely stop and give me hope for the future. In the last nine months, I've learned what it means to truly trust in God and trying to navigate a business and look after employees during this time has been such a challenge, but God has provided more than enough solutions and answers to prayer. And because of that, my hope is in that he has done it before and he will do it again. In the last nine months, I've been furloughed and returned to work on reduced working hours. Had a hip operation and told I may not play football again. However, I remain hopeful. In the season of not working, during my spare time, I have volunteered to support the operational management of a charity organisation called Ambassadors Football, delivering football ministry to the local community across the UK strategically and practically. Through this, God has shifted my focus from my participation as a player to beginning a journey of leadership, investing in the next generation. So at the beginning of September, we had a little mishap and Timothy was hit by a van on the way home from school. Obviously, this was utterly terrifying. Nobody wants to see their child unconscious in the middle of the road. But in those moments of overwhelming fear and panic, 
as we didn't know what the next minutes and hours held for us. We found, felt a profound sense of God's hope within us. As I sat on the road with Timothy, waiting for him to wake up, waiting for the paramedics to arrive, I felt a real sense of God's peace and presence with us, that no matter what that journey was going to hold, no matter what the next minutes, hours, days, and months were going to look like, both for Timothy and for us as a family, we knew that God was going to be there with us throughout it all. Even now, as all five of us still deal with the effects emotionally, psychologically, and for Tim physically of what happened, we find that God is here with us in this. God held us then, he's holding us now, and he holds our future. In the most terrifying moments of my life, I know that there was a sense of peace and hope that could only have come from him. When I got hit by the van, we still had hope. And when I'm scared, hurt, or worried, we, I know that God is still with us all the time and looks after us. Wow, amazing stories, aren't they? And I hope that they encourage you. I hope that they point the way to hope and point the way to Jesus. And I want to encourage you all, if you are a follower of Jesus, let's be storytellers of hope. Let's tell the stories where there is hope. You know, things for me and my family, there's been loads of situations recently that have been tough, that have been heartbreaking, that have been difficult And we've all tried as a family to look at the hope in the situation. I want to encourage you, be a storyteller of hope. You know, Steve Jobs says this. He says, the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. The storyteller sets the vision, values and agenda of an entire generation that is to come. Parents, I want to talk directly to you. I want to encourage you, tell stories of hope to your kids. You get to set the agenda, the vision, and the values of your home by the stories that you tell. Tell stories of hope. Tell stories of Jesus at work in your life and the people around you so that your kids grow up with stories of hope surrounding them. The second thing is talk. Talk to people about hope. You know, when John the Baptist was in his mother's womb, his mum was called Elizabeth, and she went to visit Mary, you know, the Mary. And uh, this story appears in Luke 1, and it says this, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. You see, John the Baptist, when he hears the mother of Jesus speak to him in his mother's womb, he leaps for joy. I can't imagine that was quite as enjoyable for Elizabeth as it was for John. But John the Baptist is filled with hope because he gets to, the, the mums are talking to each other. And you know, as Christians, um, it is so, so important, even if you're not a Christian, to talk to people about stories of hope. I mentioned earlier about Roman Christians, Roman Christians living under intense persecution with the threat of being burnt alive by Emperor Nero. And so what the Christians did, they weren't allowed to meet 
similar to the way that we're not allowed to meet, but very different as well. They weren't allowed to meet and hold mass gatherings of Christians, so they would have to be creative in the way that they met each other and the way that they communicated about their faith. And they developed a code and a code sign, and it was this sign, the fish. You might have seen this on the back of people's cars. You might have seen this around the place. This was the code that Roman Christians developed to share with each other that there was a Christian here. And so this would appear on people's doorways, and like on shop fronts and businesses, on the back of their Roman carts. I don't know whether they had them in those days, but they, they would say, hey, there's a Christian who lives here. And I remember my RE teacher telling me this, and I've always loved this element of it is that when, when a Christian was chatting to somebody and they thought, hey, this person might be a follower of the way too, what they would do is in the, in the sand and the floor, with their foot, they would draw half of the fish. So they would draw like a semicircle. And they would almost try and get the person's attention to look at the floor and see it. And if the other person was a Christian and a follower of a way, they would draw the other side of it and complete the fish. And it would be like a moment of, I'm a Christian as well. And they would get excited together because talking to each other helps. Talking to each other gives hope. If you feel hopeless, talk to somebody talk to somebody you know that's why we push connect groups so much it's not so we can tick a box and fill numbers not at all we want you to be able to talk to people so that you can give hope to each other you know my connect group this week we've been whatsapp and sharing prayer requests and we're trying to communicate hope through a whatsapp group message and when we meet on zoom at the moment we're trying to communicate hope to each other talk to each other you know in hebrews 10 it says this let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Maybe some of you need to underline that in your Bible. He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spare one another on toward love and good deeds. That's the point of talking to each other. It's how you spare one another on toward love and good deeds and hope. So if you know that there's somebody who feels hopeless at the moment, talk to them. A few weeks ago, we attended a, an online virtual conference and a guy speaking there, Sam Chand, phenomenal writer, phenomenal leader, wrote a book called Leadership Pain, which is, is a brilliant book. And, and he talked about how lots of church leaders and people in, in Christian leadership at the moment are calling each other and saying, how's your viewing figures? How's, your, how's this going? How's, how's, your, how's your online service going? And asking lots of work-related questions, but people weren't talking to each other about how they were feeling. How are you doing? And he challenged church leaders across the UK and in Europe, and he said, what would it look like to provide a tsunami of hope to each other by calling each other and asking, how are you? How are you really doing? And then respond them with, I don't have all the answers, but I know somebody who does. Let me pray for you. And so I took on that challenge and I phoned people who were in similar positions to me in, in different churches and, and people I would call colleagues and friends. And I phoned them and talked about how they're doing and listened to them and, and prayed for them. And every single person that I've spoken to has said, wow, I, re I didn't realise how much I needed to that, that today, thank you. And so who can you talk to? Who can you pick up the phone and say, how are you doing? No, how are you really doing? And talk and communicate hope. 
and communicate, hey, I don't have all the answers. I know your circumstance is hard. I don't have all the answers, but I know someone who does. And his name is Jesus. And the third and final thing is tone. What do you see when you look at the world at the moment? What, through what lens are you looking at the world with? You know, a few months ago, we talked about changing our language about the use of Zoom. And, you know, we're not sponsored by Zoom. You know, we're probably employing a single staff member at Zoom. We, we have that many Zoom accounts in our church at the moment. But, you know, Zoom is frustrating and is hard work and is not, not a scratch on what it's like to be face-to-face with a real-life person. But I'll tell you something. This last nine months would have been so much more difficult without Zoom. You know, personally, hanging out with family, playing quizzes, like, I just, what would we have done? And, you know, we need to have a positive flip when it comes to some things. You know, I said earlier, you might be thinking of Christmas and looking at it, feeling like your Christmas has been cancelled. You might be mourning the loss of being able to, to have Christmas dinner with that person in your family. Or, you know, you might be mourning the loss of a party that you always throw on a certain day over Christmas. And you might be mourning the loss of certain things and feeling like, man, this is so, so rubbish. I want to encourage you to flip that mindset a little bit. You know, for me personally, I'm looking forward to the new things that we're going to discover. We're, you know, we're figuring out how we're going to do Christmas and, you know, figuring out the whole Christmas bubble thing. I mean, how stressful is that? But, you know, we're excited about discovering some new traditions. You know, I remember my nan telling me about her house being bombed on Christmas Eve during the Second World War. And um, she used to tell this story nearly every Christmas about how on Christmas Day they had Christmas lunch together in the basement on the front door. They used the front door as a table. It's an amazing story. And I loved it. And every Christmas I'd be like, Nan, tell us that story again. And you know, you might discover stuff this year that becomes legend in your family. You might discover some new traditions that for the rest of your life, you do that every Christmas. You know, here at at church, we've discovered some opportunities that we would never have explored without the current circumstances. You know, we have produced some Christmas assemblies for primary schools and for high schools. And myself, Sam and Hannah and Harvey, we would normally have gone to a couple of schools in the local area and delivered some assemblies. But we put this video together and just sent it to lots of our local schools. We're in nearly every single one of our local schools and they're going to be playing that. In fact, one school, we're going to um, a network of schools and it's going to be shown to over 7,000 pupils. Our assemblies, we think in total, could reach over 15,000 students across our region, which is incredible. You know, we're doing all sorts of events. We're delivering these Hope is Here cards that we're going to deliver into 15,000 homes. You know, normally at Christmas, and hopefully next year we'll be able to do this, we'd invite hundreds of people to come to our building and watch our Christmas production. And, you know, the last few years, we've had around about 1,500 people come in. We're delivering this to 15,000 homes, which means it could be 30,000 people. And in each one, there's an invitation to watch our thing. We could have thousands more than we have ever had engaged with us at Christmas. And let me tell you something else that we've done. We're hoping to get the sign-off on this this week. Um, We're waiting for full permission from the council. But we've been working with local community partners on an event that we're calling a drive-through 
Grotto. And you're going to be able to book your car to come through. And um, you can, it's an experience. There's going to be lights. There's games. There's going to be dancing elves. There's going to be all sorts. We think it's going to be a magical Christmas experience for you to engage with. We're working with lots of local community partners. And we think it's going to be an incredible event. An event that we would never have considered if we weren't in this current circumstance. And so I want to encourage you to change the tone that you have and change your tone to hopeful rather than hopeless. You see, if you give up now, then there are others that will miss out. If you give up and embrace pessimism, there are others in your world, your colleagues, your friends, your family, that might never discover the hope that we have in Jesus. There are people around you whose potential might remain untapped because you gave up. So I want to encourage you, keep going, hold on to the hope that we profess because he who promised is faithful. And maybe this is a word for very few people, but I wonder whether there's some of you who are holding on to situations and circumstances and you're allowing that to define your life. That that's become a thing that's almost like a ceiling that you've never gotten over and that you, you almost allow it to define the way that you live your life. I believe that God wants to say to you, let's use that thing to propel you forward. Let's turn that hopeless story into a story of hope. And God is calling you to let go, to get your head up and your eyes up and fix your eyes on him. And so optimism and pessimism can leave us blind, but hope is the balance that we need to find. If you're not a Christian, in a few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes and discover that hope for yourself. But before we do that, we're going to bring a song to you, and I'm really excited about this. You know, when I was preparing and writing this talk, I, I listened to this, and I was almost emotional, which is a big deal for me, listening to the words of this, of how it just ties in so brilliantly. This song is called Live and Hope, and we're using the, the version from our 2018 Christmas production. So if you're just tuning in now, this is not live, this is on demand, um, and this is a throwback. The band did an incredible job of this, and we had some live sand art in the room as well from Mark, who's like our resident artist. But I want to encourage you. This song is called Living Hope, because our hope is not dead, it is alive. And so I want to encourage you, to sing along with this. I know it's weird and I know it's proper strange to sit in your living room and sing. But you know, singing these words of hope, of that Jesus is our coming King, that, you know, that bridge that says, I'm, oh, I've forgotten the words of it now, but that the bridge talks about the roaring lion. On the day of resurrection, the roaring lion came forth. That's a security of our hope. I want to encourage you to sing it. Now, I don't sing out loud often um, when, when I'm in these situations because I'm a terrible singer. But a few weeks ago, I drove, I went for a drive and went to a, a remote part of the area and just banged on some Chris, Christian songs, not Christmas, but Christian, and worshipped. And man, it lifted my soul. And so maybe if you don't sing along now, maybe later today, go for a drive and sing these wor the words of this song, Live and Hope, because it is so true. You know, hope is here. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus and he is our living hope.
an incredible song, an incredible reminder of the hope that we have. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And this Christmas, we are going to adore him. This Christmas might be different, but we are going to have hope. And, you know, we're going to be delivering these cards from tomorrow. We're encouraging you. If you're watching live from the 7th of December, we're going to be encouraging you to deliver these cards. And in there is a Bible verse from Romans. Remember, we talked about how the Roman Christians were under intense persecution, were running, fleeing for their lives. And Paul, who wrote this letter to Romans, said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the verse we're given to 15,000 homes around our local area. We want to deliver hope. And my prayer is that you and I and all of us, we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never made that decision to become a follower of Jesus, then you can do that. Um, you know, the, the uh, link is going to come up on the screen now for our next steps and it's going to drop in the chat. But don't go there yet, but we're going to keep it on screen so it's there ready when, when you are. But if you want to make that decision, then I would encourage you to pray this prayer line after line with me and say it out loud wherever you are, unless you're on the bus watching this and this might be a little bit weird, but I would encourage you to pray this prayer line after line and then I'm going to pray for all of us. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that because of what you did on the cross, I can have hope. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to say sorry for the things that I have done that separate me from you. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I receive your hope. Amen. And for the rest of us, I want to pray, God, I pray that this Christmas we would know that hope is here, that it wouldn't be about pessimism or optimism, but it would be about hope, the hope that you provide. God, I pray that that verse in Romans, that we would overflow with the hope of you by the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray whatever circumstance that people find themselves in watching this today, God, whether they are feeling hopeless or they're feeling really hopeful, God, I pray that your balance of hope would really hit home. And God, I pray for an incredible week as these cards begin to hit people's doormats, God, I pray that your hope would overflow into our neighbours and our streets of our towns. We pray in your mighty name. Amen.